You may be seated. I tell you, we have had a lot to celebrate this morning, haven't we? A lot of astonishing things. Children, baptism, the choir, my goodness. Maybe nothing more astonishing than Richard's reading of our scripture passage a little bit early. Did you catch all those names? It just plowed right through them like it wasn't a thing. It's third grade Bible Sunday. It seems like a good day to share Michael's infallible rule of biblical translation or pronunciation, rather, just so you can have it at hand whenever you need it. Ancient Hebrew and Greek were both dead languages for over 500 years. No one spoke them. So there is literally no one to tell you you got it wrong. Just speak them with confidence and keep going. It's more or less my rule for preaching, too. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my word or words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Today is a milestone day for a lot of people in our church today. It is, of course, Promotion Sunday for all of those who are moving up to some new grade level in Sunday school or the activities of our church. It is our third grade Bible Sunday for our well, third graders. That one's kind of self-evident. It's a season of milestones around this day for a lot of other people in our church as well. For our students, every, there's something exciting, some change in the air for everyone who's starting a, a new school, whether that be kindergarten or college. Our seniors are discovering how life is very different when you're at the top of the food chain. Our graduates are starting new jobs or college or going back to college. And I've loved hearing the excitement building in their voices over the last few weeks. I've, I've gotten to know some of our students. I have to tell you adults here that the kids, the youth, the graduates of this church are very impressive people. And that's why I could not help thinking of Josiah on this back-to-school Sunday, this promotion Sunday, this third-grade Bible Sunday. He isn't named in the Scripture passage. They decided to leave the one easy name out of the reading. But the king referenced so often in that passage is a little guy named Josiah, who was young, even younger than some of our third-graders, when he became king. He was only eight years old. And Josiah was talented and smart, like the the kids and the youth and the graduates of this school, of this church, are talented and smart. But the passage is not about Josiah. Just as all that we're doing today is not about those students. Even so, this sermon is for you, students who are among us. And if you're not a student, well, you know, maybe you'll overhear something that's useful. If you've lived long enough and learned enough that you have nothing more to learn, then by all means, just check out. I'm just speaking to the students among us today. If Jesus thought it was okay to leave the 99 for the one every once in a while, then maybe we can have a, serv a sermon just for our students every once in a while. It is a sermon for them, but it is not about them. It is about God. Because this story that we have heard is God's story. And today is about God. And God is always gracious. That's what I want our students here today to know. That grace is God's power to transform us. 
Can everybody say that with me? Grace is God's power to transform us. That's the very core of the Christian message. That God is in the business of transformation. God changes things. God is in the business of turning dead things into living things. Of turning broken things into whole things. And anything, anyone that comes into contact with God is going to be changed. When we talk about grace in this church, we are talking about this fact, this power, this energy, that God changes things. God is changing me. And that's what I want our students to know this morning. God is changing you. And that change doesn't always work the same way. The same grace, the same power of God can do all sorts of different things. I could talk all day today trying to help you understand what this means. But the truth is, no one here knows how God might change you. Because we don't yet know fully who God made you to be. That said, I am absolutely sure of three things that God's grace always means and always gives us. And those are the three things I want to share with our students this morning. Grace always means history and heartbreak and holiness. First things first, grace means history. If you're a student here today, you are not here on your own. Many of you couldn't even drive yourselves here. God used somebody, some person, something just to get you here. And most likely, God has used a whole lot of people and a whole lot of things to help you discover that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are very smart. I know this about our students here. But you could not have figured this out on your own. If no one had told you, you would never have guessed. You would never have any inkling that the Lord of all things became Lord by dying. That's just not the sort of thing anybody could figure out unless somebody had told them. Unless somebody had spent 2,000 years telling and retelling this story. It is the most fundamental fact in the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you could have lived your whole life without knowing it if God hadn't given you a history. But God did. God gave you someone to tell you. And that makes you a little bit like Josiah the king. Everything that we know tells us that Josiah was wise and he was good, but he was the king for 18 years before he realized how much he didn't know and he truly learned his history. Josiah was doing the very best that he could, doing what seemed right and what seemed helpful to him. He re rebuilt God's temple. It was even bigger than this sanctuary. And he paid the workers who did it a living wage. We're told that Josiah was a pretty good guy. But then while we're pairing the temple one day, someone finds a scroll in the temple, a scroll that had been lost for decades and maybe even centuries. And when they began to read that scroll, Josiah discovered all sorts of things that he could never have figured out if someone didn't tell him. He learns all about how to worship God and he learns how God uses sacrifice to forgive. And Josiah learns all these stories about what God had already done way in the past. Most people think that the book, the scroll that was found in the temple that day is the part of your Bible that we call Deuteronomy. Can you imagine an entire book of the Bible that was just lost and that everyone had forgotten? 
It had all sorts of stuff about God in it that had always been true, but no one remembered and no one had been told before you ever knew about God. Before you ever loved God, God knew you and loved you. And God was giving you people and a story that would let you know that. God came in the form of a son to die for you. God made the church to tell that good news and show you how to worship God. God gave you family and friends who helped you to be open to God. God gave you the scriptures to tell you all this story. You can find God's grace in all kinds of ways. But today, on third grade Bible Sunday, I especially want to encourage all our students to find God's grace in the Scriptures, in your Bibles. Hold on to them. Read them with curious minds and questions and wonder. And I'm not going to tell you that your Bible can answer all your questions. Don't study for your math test by reading the book of Numbers. I can't even tell you that when you read your Bible, you're always going to get it right. Josiah had been reading his Bible for 18 years when he realized he totally missed out on some really important parts of it. Lots of people will say very horribly wrong things and quote a Bible verse to back themselves up. So don't just read the Bible, talk about it. Josiah, we are told, talked to a priest who could help him understand. And then he talked to a prophetess. And I want all of us to be on the lookout for any man or woman who can help us to read the Bible better. And I can't promise that it will answer every question. I can't promise you'll always get it right. But I can promise it will change your life. When you aren't sure what God is up to, when you can't quite see what God has done or is doing, in the scriptures, you'll find a reminder of all that God has already done before you were even on the planet and all the ways that God has given you power that you didn't even ask for or know to ask for. And it'll make it easier to believe that God is up to something right here and right now. Things that you don't realize, things you won't be able to see until later when you're older and you look back, no matter where you go, to some new school, to some new party, some new, some new activity. God was there before you. And when you look back, you'll be able to see how this moment was all part of the great big story of God's love for you. God is giving you history. And that is grace. God has made you a part of his story and he is telling it through you. That is grace. So grace means that you have a story, a history, and grace also means heartbreak. I don't know if you noticed where this story went at the end. It ended with Josiah tearing his clothes and weeping. And then later in the next chapter, God will say to Josiah, I saw how your heart broke. Isn't that a strange response to the word of God? After all, it's not Josiah's fault that the people have not been obeying God, that they've not been worshiping God, that they forgot all this stuff about God. Josiah did not lose or hide the scroll. That was his parents' fault. Maybe his grandparents. Josiah was trying his very best. And he was doing a lot better than anybody else had done for a long time. 
But when Josiah heard the scroll, and when he heard how things were supposed to be, he realized how bad things had really gotten. And he didn't make excuses. He didn't blame anybody else. He just let his heart break. That's strange, but it rings true to me. The more I understand about God, the more it breaks my heart to see how people hurt themselves by holding God's grace at arm's length. The more I understand about God, the more my heart breaks when I realize all the ways that I have failed and fallen and sinned. All the ways that I've damaged myself and other people. When we see things the way God sees them, when we see things as they should be, our hearts can't help but break. I once broke my own heart and my neighbor's jet ski all in one fell swoop. When I was growing up, the family that lived across the street from us had a lake house. And one year, I think I was 14, that family invited my family to come stay for the week all by ourselves at the lake. The only thing our friends asked was that we put their jet ski back on the trailer and park it before we left. So at the end of the week, my dad and I took the trailer down to the boat ramp and I drove the jet ski around from the house, around the point to the trailer. And I drove that jet ski right on to the trailer. And as I had done with my dad's boat a dozen times before, I got it right in the center of the trailer. I did it perfectly. The engine was still running as the jet ski sat on the trailer. And so my dad shouted, cut it. But I was used to driving his boat, which was much heavier and needed a little engine to get it all the way up. I thought that what my dad said was, gun it. And so I did. And I remember every moment of what happened next. I remember the nose of that thing flying over the post at the front of the trailer and hitting the panel at the back of my dad's SUV and crumpling it. I remember watching the glass fracture and then just fall, rippling like a waterfall and pooling on the ground beside me. And I remember the feeling of falling when it caught on that post and began to tilt sideways with me on it, falling and falling until finally it caught and I was left suspended like this, dangling over the glass on the ground. And I remember the terror and the anger and the confusion in my dad's face as the jet ski was falling. And then as it hung in the air with me on it. Most of all, I remember that sick feeling in my stomach, that heart aching sensation of realizing that I had just failed. That I had broken everything and it was not going to be fixed anytime soon. And I had nowhere to hide. It was humiliating. And it was grace. Because in that moment when I had wrecked everything that I knew how to wreck, my father ran to me and he grabbed me off that jet ski and he held me, crushed me to his chest and he said, it came so close. So close to crushing you. And in that moment, I knew two things as definitively as it is possible to know them. I knew that I had messed up. And I knew that my father loved me. And that was grace. 
if your heart never breaks over your own sin, if you only tell yourself, it's not my fault, I didn't mean to, no one told me, I'm not that bad, then you will never know how profoundly God loves you. You will think that you earned the love. And you will exhaust yourself trying to prove that you still deserve that love. But if you can be humble enough to let your heart break and admit I messed up, to admit that you can't make it better, then you will find that God never loved you because of your grades or because of your trophies or even because you tried really hard. You will know that God loves you because you are God's own child. And when you are sure of that, you will receive the most powerful gift in the world. It's the power that you get when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not that you are good enough, but that you are loved enough. It is the power of forgiveness. There are folks in this world who will tell you forgiveness is not that powerful, but they are lying. I've seen it firsthand. It can change things in unimaginable ways. Not only did my father forgive me, but so did Mr. DeBoer, the neighbor who owned that jet ski. And about six years later, Mr. DeBoer was dying from brain cancer. When I came home from college, my parents said I ought to go see him, and I did, but I was scared. It seemed that this was going to be awkward. I could not imagine what words I would possibly have for a man much my elder who was dying. I walked in and he sat there in a chair under a blanket and I knew that I was not at all good enough to say anything that could possibly help. But then he got to talking about the jet ski and he asked me to tell him that old story all over again. He laughed the whole way through. He began by saying, I never really understood how you did that. And the story of my humiliating failure became a reason for a dying man to laugh. And it was a chance for him to be generous and forgiving to me all over again. And for me, for even me, to make him smile. If you will let grace humble you and break your heart, there is no telling what God might make of it. Grace gives you a history that you could not give yourself. And it gives you a heartbreak that you probably did not choose for yourself. But it will also give you holiness. A couple chapters later, when Josiah dies, here's what the writers of Kings will say about him. They will say, there has never been a king like Josiah, whether before or after him, who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his being, with all his strength, and in agreement with everything from the instruction of Moses. There has never been a king like him. When we met Josiah, he was heartbroken and tearing his clothes. By the time that he died, he was the greatest king ever, greater than David, greater than Solomon. God's grace not only forgave Josiah, Grace made Josiah holy, made him everything he was meant to be, made him whole, made him perfect in God's own eyes, which does not mean that he never failed. It only means that God used even those failures to make him everything God made him for. That's what holiness is. It is to be whole. 
holy gods and holy who God made you to be. God's grace not only forgave Josiah, grace made him whole. And God loves each and every one of you just where you are. But God loves you too much to leave you there. He will call you to holiness, to be whole, to be everything that God intended you to be. Because of God's grace, we don't have to keep sinning the same way over and over and over. There is no mistake, no sin, no fear in your life so powerful that it gets the last word. There is no enemy so strong that God cannot break them. God has the power to remake you so profoundly that when the world sees you, they will see someone made in God's image. In this church, part of our story is the story of a preacher named John Wesley. When he was 82 years old, the good news that John Wesley was preaching changed the life of a young kid named William Wilberforce. And about six years after that, John Wesley wrote a letter to William. He said that he thought God had changed William so that William could be the one to end slavery in the country of England and one day the world. And the very last letter that John Wesley ever wrote, he said to William Wilberforce, if God is for you, who can be against you? Are all your enemies stronger than God? Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And I pray, let the one who has guided you from your youth continue to strengthen you in this and all things. And 16 years after John Wesley wrote that last letter, William Wilberforce was standing in front of England's parliament, weeping as the bill to end slavery passed by a vote of 283 to 16. See, when God's grace changes your life, you become grace for others. When your heart breaks for the sin and the hurt in this world, you begin to love yourself and God and the world in the way that God does. And that kind of love changes things. That love is the power that guided William Wilberforce from his youth. It's the power that made an eight-year-old king kid into the greatest king in Israel's history. Don't ever believe that you are too young. And don't ever let us believe that we are too old. Don't let anyone believe that they are too weak or too dumb or too broken. Because God changes things. And grace means holiness. Our students have got a lot ahead of them this year. You go into new places and new people, learning new things. But wherever you go, know this. Grace is going before you, forgiving you, perfecting you. And hold on to those gifts that God has given you, your story and your heartbreak and your holiness given by God. And if you'll hold on to those gifts, the rest of us make this promise that we will also hold on to the life-changing gifts of God like you. God has given you to us. How very gracious. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.